Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. First principle. One must need strength. Otherwise, one will never have it. So said, get this, Friedrich Nietzsche in his book, The Twilight of the Idols. I want to balance that wisdom with this German proverb. Who begins too much accomplishes little. Welcome to Ask Andrew, number 32. You'll recall that the question we're exploring now is how do I get started in this thing called a classical education. And in the previous two sessions, I've pointed out that I am going to suggest six things that you need to do. The first of which is reorient yourself. And the second is figure out your goals. Well, today I'm going to talk about the third, and that and that is pursue your goals. And there's, this is important because I think that if, if I was... Oh, some dispositions and personalities probably came out of the second one and gave up. Others maybe got pretty excited. I don't know. But I suspect that some people got thinking, man, come on. This is, this is becoming tedious. And frankly, I agree with that. The most important thing is not that you go through the process that I gave you in the last session about or you know creating these goals. So if you've if you're a week into it and you've got three goals down or three questions down and you're starting to think this is really dumb, I understand. The most important thing is that you set goals. And I think it's very important that you set conceptual goals, things that you want to understand, skills goals, things that you want to get good at, and information goals, things that you want to know. And I think that it's important that you do the same for your children. In this podcast, though, I want to talk about how we pursue those goals and understand, please, that what I'm talking about here is not the nitty-gritty daily details. That would take forever. Some of that will come up by way of illustration, perhaps. But, but mainly I want to talk about the big picture of pursuing. How do you go about pursuing your goals um, in a broad sense. And the, in a way, what you could, you could say I'm doing here is giving you, A, a way to think about how to pursue your goals, and two, in a way, standards uh, by which you can assess progress toward your goals. And, and in another sense, I don't want to say rules exactly, but principles, principles by which um, your movement toward your goals can be measured and, and principles by which you can set those goals. And I basically have five principles I want to, or five things again. <laughs> things is my favorite word. I like, I like the Latin term race, R-E-S, because in Latin they'll say the, the race Romana or the race whatever. And it just because it's Latin, it sounds good. But all it means is a thing or an affair sometimes, an affair in the 
negative, I'm sorry, in a neutral sense. Okay, so I've got five ray here that I want to talk to you about, about per pursuing your goals in a big picture sense. And the first thing I want to say even before I get going here is don't overdo this, okay? I'll get to that when I get to, to the second um, race, second thing, okay? Um, pursue your goals. First of all, how do you pursue your goal? One, begin with your faith, and let your faith flow into all of your thinking. Now, I don't have time to really develop this because of time either, but in a in my number 29 podcast on adequacy, I developed the thought that um, Augustine uh, developed himself when he said, credo ut intelligam, which means I believe in order that I might understand. Credo ut intelligam. And there's a backwardsness to the way we think in the modern world where we think we have to understand something first and then we can believe it. And that simply rarely applies in the real world. It's a nice thought, but it just it doesn't work very often. Let me recommend you go back to number 29 if you haven't listened to that one already so that this doesn't just sound like I'm being a fideist. Begin with your faith and let it flow into all of your thinking does not mean that you're not going to think about some things. It means that you're going to believe certain things that are important. I believe, for example, that while we cannot see the way the world makes sense, the world makes sense. There is a principle that governs all things, and that is our Lord Jesus. And the, the point here is, A, we all know that already. We know that things come together, that things make sense, that things harmonize. We know that in our, in our deep inner man, in what the Bible calls the heart, not the Disney heart, but the biblical heart, that deep hidden man of the heart that Peter mentions. We know in there that everything makes sense, and that's why it bothers us so much when things don't. That's why, that's why our, our minds are agitated when there's a discord, whether it be a discord in music or in math or in philosophy or in daily life. We know this. So therefore, believe that. Believe that things make sense. Believe that truth can be known. Believe that there are good things and bad things. Believe that there are beautiful things and ugly things, because you know these things to be true. And then pray about them. Don't allow yourself to run into the hasty conclusion, which is all it is, that life doesn't make sense, and then give up. That's laziness. Instead, pray. And I'm going to put it this way. Follow your nose to the truth. Okay? Now, what I mean by that, and this is still under begin with faith and let it flow into all your thinking. If you believe that truth is knowable, then just follow your nose. <laughs> there, are, there are logical rules and grammatical rules and rhetorical rules and mathematical rules and scientific rules and, and metaphysical rules that we need to live by, and it's good to become conscious of them. But those rules are things that people have noticed when they thought about how did people who found truth find it. All of us have an internal compass that points us north. 
So maybe instead of follow your nose, I'll say follow your compass. Except I prefer the nose because it's more, I think, of an internal sense. If you feel a discord, try to resolve it. If you feel any kind of a discord, try to resolve it. Now be patient. One of the things astronomy teaches us takes centuries to figure out some discords. That's okay. That means there's always something more beautiful to learn. But boy, when we learn those things, it makes us happy, doesn't it? Follow that compass within you. Follow that sense you have. Follow that need for harmony and let it lead you toward the truth. And I guess the main thing I'm getting at here is believe in knowable truth and then go after it. However you have to. Okay, second, and this is important in that regard, but in the big picture too. Acknowledge your dispositions, but don't let them limit you. And especially don't let them limit what you welcome into your life, into your mind. Now, here's it really, this is so crucial. This is what I mean by that. Some of you have heard me talk about the parable of the prodigal son. Let me back up a little bit and say this. Our Lord Jesus described the Holy Spirit to Nicodemus with these astounding words. The pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A is anglicized Greek, P-N-E-U-M-A, the pneuma blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it came from, and where it's going. Even so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, I, I just said pneuma because it's not a translatable word. We can say spirit, we can say breath, or we can say wind. But then if we do, we don't think of the other two things. And in Greek, they're all contained. If you hear the word pneuma, there's a sense of breath, there's a sense of wind, and there's a sense of spirit. And they're inseparable. People are like this. There are people who are like the Spirit. You can't tell where they're coming from and you can't tell where they're going. And some of them are like that because they lack discipline. All of them, however, are like that because they're in the image of the Trinity. Some of them are like that because they lack discipline and some of them are like that because they're beyond us. Some of them are like that because that's their disposition. Okay? In another place, Jesus says, the son does only what he sees the father see. That's a little different, isn't it? Speaking of himself as the son, he says, I only do exactly what I see my father do. Well, some people are like that. They just want to please their father. They just want to do, can I put it this way? They just want to do what's right. And some of them are like that because they're afraid and they're weak and they're timid. Others are like that because they're just beyond us and they see into the will of the father and the, the earthly or heavenly father and they see into that will. They see what God does and they duplicate it and we don't get it. They're beyond us. Well, I don't. 
Now, what I'm getting at here is some of you are disposed to some, let's put it this way. Some of you are disposed toward synthetic thought and some toward analytical thought. Some of you want rules and you want to be told exactly what to do and take seven steps. Others of you just want to go with the flow. And I think in some cultures, one or the other of those is going to be valued more highly. And in the, in the business realm, I would suggest that for the most part, until well into the 90s, the only person who was respected was that that rule person. And then gradually you see more of the you know, creative spirit, if you want to call it that. Some A military culture, man, they, you better obey the rules. But in artistic culture, it's typically more going with the flow in a way. What I'm getting at, though, is that all of us have one or, two, one or, one or the other of those dispositions, but they can't become a commitment. And what I mean by that is this. If you are inclined toward rules and order and structure and you are married to which is likely, a person who isn't, that's not because that person's inferior to you. Because that person is probably thinking that you're inferior because you're always stuck on rules. When it comes to pursuing your goals, whatever your disposition is in this regard, do it. So for example, in the last session, I suggested that re reorientation, um, I suggested keeping... Uh, three three columns with goals and questions. And some of you, this is how you can tell which is your disposition, maybe. Some of you might have grabbed three pieces of paper and put beautiful handwriting at the top and started with numbers down the column and started listing. And you even have a time set aside for it every day or every week. Others of you maybe just didn't particularly care about it, or that's not the way to put it. So others of you might have just sort of at a, some random point decided, oh, I'll do that, okay, and, and then picked up a piece of paper and started jotting notes and broke the rule about a minute, which you shouldn't have done. And then probably you felt a little guilty. That's what's so funny about it. Do you understand that both of these things are necessary, that sometimes you need to act in a very disciplined, rigorous way, and sometimes you need to go with the flow, sometimes you need to be responsive, sometimes... And, and here's the thing, if you regard your disposition as the right one and the other disposition as the wrong one, you won't be able to grow in wisdom the way you need to. You will limit yourself, and more importantly, you will limit what you welcome into your mind into your relationships. When you pursue your goals, what I'm saying here is, I think the practical thing I'm concerned about is giving up. If, if, if you are not inclined toward disciplined lists and you heard me tell you to give disciplined lists, well, you should still try to do a list. But you shouldn't let it break you because it's so psychologically difficult for you. Do it in a way that works for you. Cultivate discipline, of course. But you are who you are. And it's not a mistake in this regard. It's not just a lack of discipline. It's a disposition. And that's a different thing. You can still get a lot done if you persevere. So wh whichever disposition you are, 
keep going. Acknowledge what your disposition is, but don't exclude from your character the other side. Don't think you're better than than the 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 wandering mind because yours always stays home. Don't think you're better than the home mind because yours is always wandering. Both are needed. And sometimes you wander and sometimes you stay at home and sometimes you explore and sometimes you're focused. Both are needed. And when you think about what you're trying to do in Christian classical education, when you're getting started, don't demand of yourself that you be a person other than what you're made to be. Third, and this is related to that, in your quest, acknowledge both form and content. I'm always struck by Genesis 1 where it says, verse 2, where it says, the earth was without form and it was void which is to say it was empty. It, was, it, had, it had neither form nor content. So what does God do? It tells us that over the next six days, he takes that earth that is formless and void, and he creates forms. He makes time forms, days and nights. And he makes space forms, land and sea, sky, the water above the firmament and the water under the firmament. And then he starts to make living forms. And it's the living forms that he blesses. I wish I had time to go into my beliefs about what that word blessing means, but note that it only applies to living things. When you're learning about Christian classical education, be like God. Recognize both form and content. Recognize the different kinds of form and content. There's a rather extraordinary passage in David Hicks' book, Norms and Nobility, which for me is the, um, it's, you got to read it. If you want to become Christian classical educated, get David Hicks' book, Norms and Nobility. And I'm going to just know it's a little difficult. That's why we have an atrium for it. But on page 18, he says this, the desire to inculcate a spirit of inquiry in the young dictates, note this, the form of instruction. Do you want to cultivate in your young a spirit of inquiry? If you don't want to, you don't want to give them a classical education. If you do, then that dictates the form of instruction. He goes on, just as inquiry, and he simply means asking questions, just as inquiry is prerequisite for the attainment of knowledge, Form is the necessary precondition for all experience and expression, perception, and comprehension. Boy, those are powerful words. First of all, you cannot have experience without form. You cannot have expression without form. You can't even perceive without form. And you certainly cannot understand or comprehend without form. The mind rejects formlessness. Nature will not tolerate a void. To impart the spirit of inquiry, therefore, and to clarify the objects of study, the need arises for a formal education. And I'll stop there. 
The point is to emphasize the incredible importance of form. In fact, I'll just mention now that the 2019 Circe Conference coming up next summer is going to be a contemplation of form because it's so, so important. God created forms. And it's in those forms that you place content. And therefore, without the form, the content can't be kept. In a previous episode, I talked about the, the mind as a, as a house. And I talked about having rooms and furniture and so on. What can you keep in your house if there's no form to your house? If there's no walls and floors? It becomes a joke when you think of it that way, doesn't it? There's nothing to keep things if you don't focus on form. In fact, one of the great mistakes of our age is this rejection of the importance of form, of formality. Do you know what form is? Fundamentally, what form is, is a pattern of relationships. A square is a square because it is a form in which four equal lines are connected, related to each other, and connected to each other by virtue of right angles. That's the form of a square. It's a pattern of relationships. The family is a family because it is a pattern of relationships. And the inability to honor, delight in, and think in forms makes us immoral and foolish people. Now, the good news is everybody loves forms. They just don't think they do because the problem with forms is they limit us. But let me give you a quotation. I could have given you this at the beginning, I suppose. One of my favorite quotations on form is from Wendell Berry. And it's a very simple question, or quotation rather. He says, the sentence is both the opportunity and the limit of thought. I love that. Without the form of a sentence. Well, let me let me read the whole thing. A sentence is both the opportunity and the limit of thought. What we have to think with and what we have to think in. If there's no limit to thought, there is no thought. If there are no rules to a game, there is no game. We need to learn to value forms. An example of what I'm talking about here is a sentence, a sonnet, a um, poem, a verse, an equation in math. You cannot do math if you don't learn the formal equation. You can't do music if you don't learn the form of a, of a chord. Now, content is also important. But content is lost without a form to put it in. And what I'm getting at here is that as you're beginning your, your reorientation, if you're, as you're beginning your, your pursuit of, of an understanding of Christian classical education, one of the things you might need to do as a modern person is reevaluate your appreciation for forms. You might, need to, you might need to do a couple things in this regard. You might need to say, A, just bring in with the statement, I appreciate form. Secondly, you might then need to pay more attention to form than you have in the past. 
An example of this curricular-wise would be how much time do you spend when you're teaching your child or studying something yourself trying to recall content? And how much time do you, do, do you spend trying to grasp the form that holds the content? See, content, it's easy to focus on that because other people have already put it in their arbitrary forms in a book and we just remember it, right? But when we just think about content by itself, that's all it is, is content by itself. But when we start thinking in terms of form, now we're starting to ask ourselves questions about relationships. Sure, it's relationships between content, but the habit of the importance of relationship in content brings the importance of relationship into life and gives us practice thinking about how things are related to each other. And, and the thing is, all of the arts, especially the liberating arts, are formal. What makes them an art is there's a way to make something using reason and following forms. For example, I just recognize that my time's basically up. So I better summarize. Form needs more emphasis and training in our time than content does. Arts can be mastered. No book can ever really be mastered because there's always more content. And therefore, I'm arguing spend more time on the fine arts Spend more time on music, more time on drawing, more time on math, more time on grammar and logic and rhetoric, because these are the forms of thought. And those, if you, if you emphasize the forms, the amount of content that you will remember will be increased. It will not be diminished. And the reason it will be increased is because you will multiply the relationships and you will see how things relate to each other, and that moves you in the direction of understanding. So as you reorient yourself and as you pursue your goals, emphasize form and content, yes. Learn content, but don't undercut form. And finally, let me add this, and this will be the last point. Don't fear the basics. As you pursue your goals, do not fear going back to the basics. An example for me, I, I was really good at math as a kid. It's kind of the only thing I have to brag about. I was told that when I took a test at the end of, I think it was eighth grade math, I was the only kid in my school, which was a pretty big school, who got a perfect score on the test. I think my math teacher told me, but it might have just been a friend, so maybe it's not even true. I was told I was good at math. Then in ninth grade, I got in a car accident. I was out of school for, I think, six weeks and fell behind in algebra and my math career was over because I was lazy. I, didn't, I never got it back. Now I'm going back to get trying to get a classical education. You know what I'm doing? I'm really good, relatively speaking, at simple calculations, what the ancient mathematicians called logistics. I'm good at tables. But I'm not good at algebra. What I'm doing now is I'm going back and studying algebra. Wow, it's interesting as an adult. You know what or algebra was originally called? Analytic geometry. Well, that's, I think, well, it was called that for a while. Look, all I'm saying is don't be afraid of having to go back and reshore up things we didn't get. That's to be expected. But because form is so important, you're going to have to perhaps practice adding again. 
Give yourself one minute a day to do a speed drill in math. Just like you do, if you're, if you're panicking over that idea, think about what your children are feeling. Give yourself one minute a day to do a speed drill in math. Give yourself three minutes a day where you study grammar yourself. Give yourself a couple minutes a day where you're learning the forms, the disciplines, the, the seven liberating arts. Give yourself a little more time maybe to learn Latin and some musical instrument and try to give yourself some time to draw because what you're doing here is training yourself to perceive. And I guarantee you that will help you teach your children more than trying to keep up with them on content. And let's face it, they can memorize that content fast, take the test and forget it. So it's not that important. What's really, really important is that you teach them formally and that you yourself master forms. And so you pursue your goals by beginning with faith, letting your faith flow through all of your, your, your thinking Second, by acknowledging your disposition as either the older brother or the prodigal, as either the son or the spirit, more like the son or the spirit. Please don't misunderstand me there. Good grief. Acknowledge both form and content, but given our time, emphasize form and learn a little bit of math and languages every day. And music and drawing, if you can, if you possibly can, a little bit. You don't have to master it. Just learn a little bit every day or every week. But don't fear the basics. Don't fear the basics. In any art, don't fear the basics. And as you do that, as you pursue those goals that you estab you're establishing in your notebook or in your mind or wherever it is, as you pursue your goals, you will be getting the classical education that you're dreaming about a little bit at a time, and that's the only way to do it. With that, thank you for listening, and may the Lord remember you in his kingdom. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 